It wasn't long ago that I attended um, <laughs> my 20-year class reunion. I know that's shocking to look at this. <laughs> it shocks me, but I did. I had a 20-year class reunion, and it was a surreal experience, and one I, I hope to never repeat again. <laughs> I was grateful... Um, to reconnect with, with friends that I had not seen in, in years, to learn of, of what they're doing with their life today and, and so forth. But in that moment, as we all gathered together, it was like going back in time. Everyone kind of clicked into their old, old groups again, you know. As the evening wore on, I came to understand that the most common question asked at a class reunion is, what do you do? What do you do? Everyone wants to know, what do you do with your life? Did you make good? Did you fall apart? What do you do? So the question was asked of me a number of times, and with a bit of hesitation, my answer was always the same. I'm a minister. My peers' response was a variation of the same. Oh, 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 really? <laughs> and you would see their eyes darting about looking for the closest exit, as though I was about to ask them if they knew Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's surprising, some said. I really didn't know that you were religious, some said. You weren't religious in high school. <laughs> True. <laughs> the implication being that I should have been walking through the hallways, chanting a Kyrie in between classes. I didn't do that. While other peers felt that it was an appropriate moment to revisit moments of our, our shared childhood, our shared youth, moments that were not very Jesus-like, <laughs> Moments that we all pray our children do not replicate. And in those moments of sharing those past shenanigans, I felt like what they were really doing was trying to diminish the truth of my identity as a minister. You can't possibly be a minister. We did this when we were 12. <laughs> Looking back, I think it was hard for a number of my peers to see, my, to see me as a minister, for they knew me as a boy. They knew me as a teenager. I was just like them. We rode our bikes on the same streets. We sat at the same lunchroom tables. We nodded off in the same classes. We laughed at the same jokes. We pegged our guest jeans in the same way. Like them, I was common. I was ordinary. And nothing about my youth pointed to a life serving God. And for my own part, for many years, I agreed with that assessment. How could I be called to a life of ordained ministry? I'm not special. I grew up in Hilliard, Ohio. I have a flawed past. 
what, if anything, can I do on behalf of God? And what, if anything, can God do with me? In the third installment of the Bread of Life discourse, John narrates the crowd following Jesus regarded him as a teacher and witnessed many miracles. Yet they also knew him as one of their own. That is, they knew his parents, his siblings. They knew him as a boy. They watched him grow to be a man. In other words, they claim him as one of their own. And for this reason, because he is just like them, they believe that he cannot possibly be all that special. And he can certainly not be the one that God sent to redeem the world. It's not surprising that the crowd is put off by him, is angered by him, even offended a bit by him. That this suggestion that a common person just like them is the answer to their deepest and greatest needs. And why not? Think of this audacious claim that he is making. Who ever heard of a God having anything to do with the everyday, ordinary, and mundane way of life? Gods are made for greatness, not grime. They are supposed to reside in the clouds, not in the filthy streets with the commoners. I mean, who ever heard of a God who is willing to suffer the pains and the problems, the indecencies and the embarrassments of human life? It's laughable, really. It's no wonder they push back. Because in truth, the claim he is making makes fun of their understanding of God's majesty. And even worse, it mocks their own deep need for God to transcend the very broken life they live. Further, they know firsthand of their own flaws and shortcomings, of their own faithlessness and failures. They know of their doubts and their fears, betrayals and broken promises their petty grudges and foolish prejudices. They know of shame and disappointment, regret that each person carries. And so if Jesus is really like they are, then they believe they are doomed. For how can someone who is like them save them? Jesus doesn't waver, though. His resolve is unwavering. Yes, I am common. Yes, I am ordinary. I am mortal. I am flesh and blood, just like you. And yet, through me, God will do an extraordinary thing. This is the claim that he makes. And the claim that offended the crowd then and still offends some today. 
Where we expect God to come in might, God comes in weakness. Where we look for God to come in power, God comes in vulnerability. When we seek God in justice and righteousness, which is, after all, what we expect from God, we find God in forgiveness and mercy. This is the claim and the promise that Jesus makes today. God became incarnate, became carnal, took on flesh, just like us, to save us. I think for the crowd then and for us today, I think it is difficult for us to accept that God does not despise the ordinary and the common things in life. I think it's difficult for us to accept that God seeks out the common and the ordinary to achieve God's will. That promise is found on this table behind me in a cup, a plate, a bowl of water. For God does not despise water, bread, or wine. Such ordinary, common things. And through those ordinary and common things, we have God's promise to hold on to, to ingest. To know that God is with us and will never let us go through our brokenness and uncertainty. This past weekend, or I guess technically still, is Pelotonia. I'm assuming you're all aware of Pelotonia. 8,000 writers, a couple thousand virtual writers, writing different distances across Ohio, in one weekend, raising over $20 million. Having ridden Pelotonia yesterday, the 100 miles, one thing that struck me as I looked at my... uh, cycling peers, is that, I mean, not only is it a diverse group of people, but, and I don't say this harshly, many of my cycling peers you would not define as athletic. In fact, we'll leave it there. You would not define them as athletic. And yet, and yet, they cycle. And through them and through thousands of others, they inspire you and others to give. Common, ordinary people who are many, who are diverse, who have their own faults and failures, come together to do something extraordinary. Common, ordinary people who probably never believed that in their life they would do something that could save another person's life. And yet, they are. They do. God takes the ordinary and does extraordinary when we permit God to live through us. When we permit ourselves to take a chance, to take a risk, None of us can escape our origin, our common beginnings, and nor should we try. Where we come from 
matters. It shapes us today.